Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland, it's a doubleheader final. Game one, it's the Guardians 11, the White Sox won. Game two, it's the Guardians 2, the White Sox also won. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And what a wild, crazy day of baseball it was. Game one, one of the weirder, wilder games you'll ever see. The first inning, the Guardians managed to score a run without even recording a hit. And then in the second inning, go off for nine runs uh, to give themselves double-digit runs once again in a win this season. Just a fun day all around if you're a Guardians fan And uh, let's get into it. Let's get into the storylines here. And I mean, the big storyline has to be those 10 runs scored in the first two innings because the first inning is ridiculous enough. The first two runners get on base via throwing errors. Uh, Then after a Jose Ramirez fly out to center field, Fermil Reyes draws a walk. Ahmed Rosario would beat out a double play attempt. He would ground a short. They try to turn two once again. Ahmed Rosario's speed proves a difference maker. We talk about it all the time on this show. And he's able to leg it out. A run comes in to score. And the Guardians have put up a run without getting a hit. Now, the odd thing here, the odd thing is that the White Sox get out of the inning without recording the third out. Because Josh Naylor hits a uh, ground ball that ricochets off the foot of Ahmed Rosario going from first to second. So the Guardians' first hit in the inning is actually what ends the inning. It's a it's a weird thing. Uh, we were discussing it a little bit on Guardians Twitter, and someone asked me, like, why, why is that a hit? I, I don't know, but that's the rule. That's the rule. That I guess because they can't predict what would happen after that point. So if the runner is in front of the fielder, now it's different if the f- runner is behind the fielder, right? If the for whatever reason the infield is in or something like that, it changes the play. It changes the ruling. But because the runner was in front of the fielder, the runner is automatically out. The play is dead. The runner gets credited with a hit because they can't really determine what would have happened. Uh, But it doesn't matter because the third out ends the inning anyways. So a very strange play to end the uh, first inning where the White Sox don't record the third out, but the Guardians finally get the hit, but the inning's over anyways. Then we get into the second inning, and that's where we really start to have some fun. In that inning... It starts off with uh, Gabriel Arias reaching on another fielding error by Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson, frankly, had just a terrible day, just an awful day. And I thought he was a better defender, apparently, than he actually is. Going over to Fangraphs and looking at his ultimate zone rating, the ultimate measure of defense on Fangraphs, he's pretty much in negative numbers for his entire career. Uh, last year it was at negative 0.9, so not terrible. But, I mean, he's been at negative 2.3. In 2019, he was at negative 9.1. So, yeah, so his, he's not really known for his defense. Much more of an offensive player than a defensive player. And it really, really cost them on this day. I mean, it's unbelievable how much this guy fell apart from the very first ball that was hit to him. He's credited with three errors on the day. Berger at third base also gets credited with an error in that first inning. And yeah, it's amazing. Once again, uh, a bad throw by him and, or I'm sorry, a bad play by him fielding the ball this time. And Gabriel Arias is able to beat it out to be safe at first to start the inning. 
Mercado would single. Austin Hedges would single. That's right, a hit from a Guardians catcher. Can you believe it? Miles Straw with the bases loaded would tip one off the glove of Tim Anderson, a leaping Tim Anderson into left field. Everybody moves up a base and the run comes in to score. Once again, there were things that happened this inning that weren't necessarily errors, but still Tim Anderson just having a terrible day. Uh, Ernie Clement would single on a ground ball through the left side. This was a very inside pitch. We're going to go back and look at the pitch chart, but this was a very inside pitch that Ernie Clement pulls for a single through the left side, and then Jose Ramirez would come up, and he'd get a hanging breaking ball, and he would smoke a line drive over the wall into the seats in left field, into the bleachers. It's 111.6 mile-per-hour exit velocity, 21-degree launch angle, 386 feet over that wall. Uh, what a shot by Jose Ramirez. I mean, this guy continues to set records. He tied for like the most RBIs in the first 10 games of a season, and he just continues to pile on with a big grand slam here. Definitely, I, Normally, a grand slam like this would be the icing at the top of the cake, right? It would be the big finale of the inning. But no, the Guardians keep rolling after this. Fermil Reyes would go 110.7 miles per hour exit velocity himself for a single. Uh, they would, uh, on a wild pitch, he'd move up to second. Ahmed Rosario would single through the left side. Uh, Fermil Reyes would stop at third. And then Josh Naylor would finally get one to go through. It would avoid Ahmed Rosario. And he'd hit one out into right field. Uh, it was deflected by Jose Abreu, but he couldn't stop it. Fermil Reyes scores. Ahmed Rosario moves up to third. Then another fielding error by Tim Anderson on a Gabriel Arias Ground ball. This time moving to his right, he tries sliding on his knees and he can't come up with the ball. So Ahmed or Gabriel Arias, I'm sorry, reaches again via error in his debut game, by the way. And then Oscar Mercado shoots a single up the middle, brings in Josh Naylor to score. They finally get Keichel out of the game. Austin Hedges would ground into a double play, and uh, Miles Straw would ground out to finally end the inning. So it took driving Keichel out of the game finally. I mean, Knowing that they had to play a doubleheader, the White Sox stuck with Keuchel as long as they could, hoping he would get out of the inning and maybe give them a few more innings. But it just wasn't going to happen. It just was not his day. It wasn't Tim Anderson's day. And they put up nine runs in that first inning. Uh, and then they wouldn't score again until late in the game in the eighth inning. Uh, Stephen Kwan pinch hitting for Jose Ramirez. He brings in a few guys off the bench late in the game. And Kwan delivers an RBI hit. Uh, to add another run in the eighth inning to make that 11-1 11, 11 final. Uh, they would scratch across a run off of Shane Bieber in the sixth. Tim Anderson would hit a double on a slider that eh, kind of hung up on the plate, didn't really slide, and he'd put one off the wall, so they would get their RBI that way. Uh, but that would be it in game one for scoring. I mean, just an incredible game, a really, really fun game if you're a Guardians fan. They were just rolling to start that game against Keuchel. So like I said, they were uh, they were hitting some interesting pitches here. Moving over to the Illustrator and looking at the results tab, we can see everything that Dallas Keuchel gave up. And it's a lot of singles were up the middle of the plate. Uh, Jose Ramirez's grand slam is middle in. Uh, what kind of pitch was that officially? It was a cutter. They officially have it as a cutter, not a slider. Either way, it spun right there in the sweet spot for Jose Ramirez. But he gave up two singles 
uh, one the Mile Straw and one the Oscar Mercado on the outside of the plate. These are off-the-plate pitches that Cleveland hitters went and got and hit for singles up the middle. And then he gave up two, uh, two singles. One was an inside pitch to Ernie Clement, that one I told you about that he shot through to the left side, way inside. We're talking three or four baseballs off the plate inside on an 0-2 count, no less. So expanded the zone, protected the zone, and ends up driving one through the left side. And then Josh Naylor's hit, technically in the first inning, the hits off Ahmed Rosario's foot is way outside. Uh, but Naylor reaches out for it, puts an okay smack on it. It probably would have been a ground out into the shift if Ahmed Rosario hadn't been there, but still it gets credited for a hit. So he's up four hits outside of the strike zone. Uh, so literally, whether Keiko was in the strike zone or not, the Guardians hitters were taking, were doing damage. We're really doing damage on him yesterday. Now, the other side of that and the other storyline to all this offense is Shane Bieber. And Shane Bieber was absolutely fantastic. He ends up uh, for the day going... Six innings pitched, four hits, one earned run, no walks, and seven strikeouts. Now, he was hard hit a bunch. He was hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. But he got some good defense. He got some, uh, you know, some luck where the ball was hit. Some line drives hit right to some outfielders. And he's able to limit the damage. And once you have, once you give Shane Bieber, once you give the former Cy Young winner Shane Bieber a 10-0 lead, uh, he can pretty much put it on cruise control and take it all the way home. Now, the one thing that was super impressive about Shane Bieber was all of the swing and miss. He uh, he was the top pitcher as far as swings and miss goes on the day with 17 swings and misses on the day. And back on the Illustrator this time, if we're just going to isolate the swinging strikes and look at what pitches he was throwing... It was a ton of sliders, and he was attacking the glove side for the right-handed pitcher. The glove side would be the opposite batter's box, right? So the left-handed batter's box. He was attacking the down portion of the zone, that bottom corner of the zone. He was attacking it with the sliders. He was through a couple of knuckle curves down there, and then he was expanding the zone. He was getting guys to chase. Mendick chased one out there. He, in fact, uh, there he got five swinging strikes, basically in the left-handed batter's box, all on sliders. And then he's got four fastballs that he gets swings and misses on up in the zone. Uh, three of them are at the letters. Two of them are on the edges or on the black of the zone. And then one way up there that Gavin Sheets waves at in the second inning on a full count. Um so yeah, he really did a good job of attacking the edges of the zone with all three of his pitches here and getting them to expand the zone, this time for swinging strikes. As opposed to Keuchel, when we expanded the zone, we were still getting hits. Uh, this time, Bieber gets us to expand and racks up some strikeouts. Uh, if we go to the player breakdown page to look at his CSW numbers, uh, the slider he threw the most on the day, 36 times. He got 22 swings, 11 whiffs on that slider, a 50% whiff rate. Throwing three called strikes, it's good for a 39% CSW. He had a 35% CSW on his uh, four-seam fastball, a lot of called strikes, seven called strikes on that one. Uh, the knuckle curve, only those two swinging strikes on the knuckle curve, only, only used it 13 times. 
Uh, and then the cut up and chain cutter and changeup, he also used effectively. Got a couple of called strikes with those, even though he threw them a limited amount of time. So it's total 35% CSW on the day for Shane Bieber. Guy was just out there getting strikes. And I know we're all a little bit worried about the velocity. His fastball averaged 90.2 miles per hour. But when he's getting strikes like this, when he's painting the corners, when he's attacking that glove side bottom corner, he is really hard to hit and uh, proved it again in this one, racking up all those strikeouts, getting all those swinging strikes. It was a really great start from Shane Bieber against, you know, an important team against the White Sox. We got to be able to rely on Shane Bieber when the White Sox come to town, because these are important games. These are going to add up at the end of the season. After this doubleheader sweep, we are tied, by the way, for first place again with the White Sox. Even though we got swept by the Giants, we're staying in it. We are. This team is going to stay in it all season. There are going to be moments where things get really ugly, like the Giants season, uh, Giants series. And then there's going to be moments like uh, the first game, that second inning, where we put up nine runs, and this looks like murderer's row, right? Who knew the Ernie Clements of the world and the Josh Naylors and the uh, who the heck else was in this lineup today, uh, you know, would be such a potent offense. But apparently, yeah, we can really, really turn it on. So those are the big storylines from game one. Frankly, I kind of buried the lead here because uh, the biggest storyline was the fact that uh, a bunch of players are out with COVID. They had a little bit of a COVID run in the locker room. Uh, I don't know if Chang is out because of COVID or not. Uh, so three, potentially four guys all out because of COVID. It brings up a bunch of relief pitchers. And then because of the double header, they actually bring up Gabriel Arias gets to make his major league debut because of the double header. He's the 29th man added to the roster, and he gets to play in both games. I, I thought, I wasn't sure. I thought Francona maybe would say, you know, oh, I didn't want to put too much on the rookie making him play twice in one day. No, he's out there in the first game at second base. He's out there in the second game at third base, and he contributed to the offense, and he did reach on error twice, but he gets an RBI. He scores a run in that first game, and then in the second game records his first hit. So that is uh, that's a huge storyline. Uh, you know, hopefully this COVID thing, it's not like 14 days anymore. It's you just have to have two negative tests in consecutive days. So we'll see what guys can make it back. Uh, it's Quantrill who's down. Uh, Castro out in the bullpen is down with COVID. Owen Miller and maybe Chang. It's still unclear. I don't think they announced whether or not his. Uh, leave of absence from the team is related to COVID. So uh, that was your game one, a very, very exciting game one. There was some exciting defense in this one. Ernie Clement actually getting the start in left field in this game, and he's able to throw out a runner going to second, trying to stretch. I think it was Andrew Vaughn for the White Sox, trying to stretch a single into the double. He cuts the ball off in the gap. Fires a bullet to second base, and Ahmed Rosario gets the tag on him. Vaughn actually, in his aggression, overslid the bag and gets tagged out there in the dirt. Uh, so on a huge outfield assist, uh, stops a rally short in its tracks for the White Sox. And then they will continue, and we're going to let this lead us right into game two. There was a big outfield assist from Stephen Kwan in left field in this one with a runner rounding second, heading for home, uh, rounding third, heading for home. And uh, 
Quan comes up firing, throws him out at the plate. It's a great pick by Brian Lavastida, frankly, like a first baseman having to scoop a low throw. I mean, Quan really throws a rope from left field. That's a heck of a throw right on the money. It is a little bit of a short hop. Lavastida handles it and slaps the tag on. Uh, to end a threat there and to prevent the White Sox from scoring another run there. I believe that run would have tied the game at 2-2. So, anyways, uh, great defense from the outfield. Straw makes kind of a kind of a leaping catch in center field, running to his right into left center field. Great defense from the Guardians wins it on the day as opposed to the terrible defense from the White Sox. All right, so game two, how does this one go down? Well, the Guardians, they're kind of relentless. They don't they don't let up. They score right away in the first inning. Steven Kwan and Jose Ramirez go back-to-back with doubles. Uh, Jose pulled one. I mean, really curled it down the line. Just barely fair. Uh, just barely catching some chalk down the line. And it drives in Steven Kwan on back-to-back doubles. That's a great way to start a game. Man, those two. Kwan has two hits on the day split. He came in and pinched hit in the last game, in the game one, and then gets the other hit here. Uh, So he keeps things rolling a little bit. But yeah, it's awesome to see them come out. And after a big offensive day like that, you're not sure how that second game is going to go. Turns out it's a low-scoring game, 2-1. to There was a lot of sitting around for Guardians fans. uh, But luckily, not as much as there was for White Sox fans. And uh, so we score in the first, and we set a tone there. Helped Tristan McKenzie out by putting a run-up in the first. And then in the fourth inning, they're able to score another run on this one. Uh, This time, it's Oscar Mercado coming through with the big hit. Arias would actually single. He would get his first major league hit. He'd take an inside pitch and just flare it out into right center field. Uh, It's Frankly, it's a great swing. It's a really good swing. Taking an inside pitch like that and being able to shoot it out the opposite way is a really great swing. And then Oscar Mercado would double... Uh, would drive one into left field and bring in the Arias to score. Um, I believe Arias moved up on a wild pitch at some point. So he was on second base and Mercado drives him in. So doubles getting the job done for the Indian for the Guardians, excuse me, in game two. And Mercado, it's interesting because earlier in the game he popped one up. And it was a pitch I thought he was going to drive. In the second inning, he pops out. And instead, he comes up now in the fourth inning, and this time he does drive the ball. And I would love to see those two swings back-to-back. And my guess is it's the hand speed. For the double, those hands make it through the zone. The bat snaps through the zone. I'm guessing on the pop-up, his hands were a little bit slow. I'm guessing his hands were a little bit behind. It seems like Oscar Mercado has a little bit of a snap to his swing. And so when those hands make it through and that bat head gets through, good things happen. When it doesn't, you end up with pop-ups at the back of the infield. Uh, so yeah, Oscar Mercado delivers. And then, uh, honestly, the Guardians pitching really holds it down. I mean, even in that first game, there wasn't much pressure on. But Shaw has a clean inning. Eniel De Los Santos makes his Guardians debut. He has two strikeouts in his inning. Does have a walk, but two strikeouts in his inning. And then Sam Henches cleans things up in the ninth. Sam Henches, by the way, we were debating him on Guardians Twitter, actually had a pretty good start to the season. Actually has taken to the bullpen role fairly well. He's got over double-digit uh, K per nine innings. 
it's going okay for Sam Hentges so far as a bullpen guy, and there could be big things in his future. It could be. Could be. There's, there's still a lot of work to be done there. But then the bullpen would come in behind Tristan McKenzie here. McKenzie would go four innings, uh, four and a third, give up one hit. That's it. One hit, one earned run, four walks, though. So that was the thing for McKenzie. Four walks and four strikeouts on 80 pitches. Only hard hit three times. The walks were trouble. And, uh, you know, eventually he would give up a run in the fifth inning. But Ghost would come in behind him, go an inning and two-thirds, four strikeouts, no hits, no runs, no walks. A huge performance by Ghost out of the bullpen. He is becoming more and more reliable. Sandlin gives up a hit, but he goes an inning, gives uh, gives up the hit, no runs, no walks, and a strikeout for Nick Sandlin. Uh, Trevor Steffen would come in for the eighth, and in five uh, five pitches would get three outs and give up a hit. It was kind of an unbelievable inning for Trevor Steffen. And then Emmanuel Classe would clean things up in the ninth inning on eight pitches. But Trevor Steffen in this eighth inning here, was it, this is kind of ridiculous here. I, I couldn't believe uh, that they were this aggressive against Trevor Steffen. And let me change back to the pitch chart here. So very first batter, Jake Berger, swings at a first pitch slider, ends up uh, flying out to Stephen Kwan, in left field. Adam Halsley comes up. He actually swings through the first pitch, swings through a fastball, and then grounds out on a splitter at the bottom of the zone. And then Lurie Garcia, he would be swinging at a first pitch fastball. He would single on a line drive out to left field. And then Yasmani Grandal, first pitch, forcing fastball. This one was off the plate. Everything else had been on the plate. This one is off the plate to the left-handed hitter, and he would ground out to Gabriel Arias to end the eighth inning. So, uh, for some reason, they were just super, super aggressive against um, against Trevor Steffen there in the eighth inning. McKenzie was pitching pretty good. Uh, the walks were his really his only thing was the control and the walks. Uh, when we go to the player breakdown page for Tristan McKenzie, tons of fastballs, just so many fast. Sixty-two of his eighty pitches were fastballs. Thirteen curves and five sliders. None of the CSW numbers are that great. Uh, it's a 25% CSW total on the day. They were super aggressive against his fastball, swinging 24 times. He gets seven whiffs and eight called strikes. Good for a 24% CSW on that fastball. But yeah, uh, being super aggressive and just, yeah, throwing a ton of heat. And that fastball is cooking a little bit. Uh, maxed out at 94.5 miles per hour. Average 91.5 but maxed out at 94.5 miles per hour. So velocity is there for McKenzie. Uh, But if we go back over to the illustrator and we look at the count breakdown here, uh, the one thing I could say is he was working behind too many hitters. He only gets to an 0-1 count four times uh, in his four and a third innings. That's not enough. He's really got to work on that first pitch strike there. Um, Starts out, uh, let's see. 12 times, 12 times on a 1-0 count. So McKenzie really behind uh, in a lot of counts in this one, but he makes it work, only gives up one hit. Now, the opposite of that would be Shane Bieber uh, in that game one. We didn't look at it yet, but let's go to the count breakdowns here. Only goes 1-0 four times. Shane Bieber only goes 1-0 four times. Everything else he's working ahead, he never gets to 2-0. 
or three and zero or three and one. Uh, two. Uh, let's see here. Six guys make it to a full count, but he's working ahead the entire time. That's that's starting pitching right there. So that is definitely something for McKenzie to work on there. Uh, really establishing early, getting ahead early. He's able to make it work today. He doesn't last that long in the game. He was always on a pitch count, so he was never going to last that long. But definitely something for him to focus on uh, trying to get ahead, trying to get more ahead than he was because you do not want to start that many batters at 1-0. All right. Uh, That's really all my thoughts on this one. You know, it's a great performance by the bullpen in both games. It's It's a great performance by all the pitching for the Guardians, really, across the two games. The offense, incredible in the first game, gets the job done in the second game. In that first game, Every single starter scored a run. Every, including Michael Straw, who scored three times. Every single starter scores a run in this game. So that's pretty incredible. In game two, it's a little thinner, but uh, you know we got a bunch of doubles that ended up creating a, enough damage to hang on and give the pitching enough support to hang on and beat the White Sox. Uh, you know, and sweep the doubleheader over the White Sox. So, MVP on the day, it's got to go to Jose Ramirez. I mean, come on. The big grand slam, the big exclamation point on that rally in the second inning. Four RBIs uh, in that game one, and then DHing in game two, drives in another run. He's on base twice. He also walked in this game uh, and the double. And so just a huge day offensively for Jose Ramirez. And not only that, uh, what they were saying about him in the dugout when he was DHing, Andre Knott was reporting that he was basically spending the entire time in the dugout just helping Gabriel Arias, you know, telling him everything about third base, where to line up, you know, what to expect from some of the hitters. So the fact that he's that engaged, even as the DH, that's a true leader right there. And that's why, frankly, that's why he got the contract. Not only is he a great player, but he's the leader of this team. So huge day for the Guardians, and it is a lot of fun for Guardians fans. Now, will we get in the game today? The weather has been crazy in Cleveland. It looks like the storms are supposed to pass maybe right around game time. It might be delayed a little bit, but hopefully we play baseball and we get a third game in against the White Sox with, hey, a chance, a chance to maybe take over first place in the Central Division. It's going to be Plesak on the mound. Uh, some things are getting moved around because of the COVID things, because of uh, the days off. So it's going to be Plesak on the mound against Dylan Cease for the White Sox. And yeah, you know, it would feel good to jump out in the first place early, especially, we you know, we got to start this huge road trip here. No idea. We got to go face the Yankees. We got to go out to LA for four, and then we got to go to Oakland. So a huge road trip coming up. We got actually a lot of tough teams coming up uh, in the next few weeks. So yeah, let's do it. Let's go ahead and jump out to first base. Let's take it to the White Sox one more time. The White Sox did not enjoy their day today. They did not enjoy their day. And uh, let's make, let's ruin the whole week for them, right? Their whole, let's make their whole week in Cleveland miserable. First, they had to deal with the Cleveland weather. Now they got to deal with the Cleveland offense. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from Progressive Field. 
Game one, it's the Guardians 11, the White Sox 1. Game two, it's the Guardians 2 and the White Sox 1. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about this finale. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.